Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Say it again. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Shout it loud, louder. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Um, we are Christians because we are believers. Hallelujah. The validity of your Christianity has everything to do with your belief. Now, if you were born into what is politically or sociologically classified as a Christian family, you, if, even though you were born into that family, you are not a Christian until you believe. Because what makes a person a Christian is your belief. What you believe. I like what Jesus said. He said to the man, believest thou this, that I, the son of man, am able to do this. And the blind man said, yea, Lord. Then he said, be it unto you, according to your faith. In the book of John, he says, the book of John, he says that for as many as believed in him. To them, he gave the right to become the sons of God. So our sonship is predicated on our belief. Our sonship. You can't be a son outside of your belief. Praise the Lord. So it's so necessary to know what we believe in which makes us who we are. Number one, the Apostles' Creed the, apostle, the, the church came together because after a while, uh, the initial belief was if you want to be born, if you want to be a Christian, want to be born again, they ask you, do you believe in Christ? Jesus Christ as Lord, God's Son, and Lord and Savior. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, Lord and Savior, he said, I believe, they get you baptized. And you are, you are a, a Christian. Right? That starts to imply you believe in the Father, God, the Father, you believe in the Holy Spirit, and all that. But as time went on, so that was the summary of the Christian faith. It's actually a belief in Jesus. Believe in Jesus that what he is. Not that he just existed. Because even Islam believes Jesus existed. And so believing Jesus existed doesn't matter. Demons know it. And they even tremble upon that belief. Alright, so believing Jesus existed is not a problem. Doesn't make any difference. It's just intelligent to do that. If you have any sense of understanding, or if any amount of intelligence, history proves that there was once upon a time a historic Jesus. So you'd be very imbecile to think that, no, I, don't, I won't accept it, then it's, it's your own problem. Because you can't change history. So someone believing in Jesus, or believe Jesus existed, doesn't make a difference. But then believing that he is the Son of God, the Messiah, and the Lord, that's a whole different ballgame. So that was the foundation of the Christian faith. And so after a while, um, they had to come, come up with, uh, the early church had to come up with the foundations of Christian belief, which they call the credo, which is the Apostles' Creed. That's what I've been explaining and teaching on. So we start with, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and the earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. He descended into hell. 
The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. Someone say, I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Holy Ghost. Say it louder. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe you can even say it better. I believe in the Holy Ghost. Do this for me. Lift up your right hand and say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Say it again. It's so important. I believe in the Holy Spirit, but that's not all we believe. The first set of belief is the Trinitarian confession. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But that's not all we believe. Because if you believe in the Father, you must believe in the Son. If you believe in the Son, you must believe in the Holy Spirit. And if you believe in the Holy Spirit, then there are other things you also end up invariably believing in. Does that make sense? So what are the other things we believe in? I believe in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Catholic Church. Let's all say that together. Please say it louder. For the last time, louder. Three main ways that I want to focus on. Holy, Catholic, and Church. First of all, let let me talk about the Church. Let's all say the Church. The Greek word translated church is ecclesia, ecclesia, ek, and ecclesia, which um, you remember the Holy Ghost is, the, the Greek word that was translated the Holy Ghost is paraklet, so para and then the keleo, klet, kletos, parakletos, and ecclesia, or ecclesia comes from the root word keleo. Hello has to do with call. Paraclete. Para call alongside. Parallel. Para along. And then Kaleo call. In the same way, Ecclesia called out. So Moses was drawn. He was drawn out of water. The church was called. That's a very important thing you have to understand. The church was called out of something. Right. Called out of what? First of all, we have been, Bible says we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, um, um, a, a peculiar people called out to show forth the, in first Peter chapter 2 verse 8 and 9, uh, verse 9 particular, to show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness. First Peter chapter 2, but you are a chosen generation, what are we? What are we? A very important thing to understand. We're chosen. We are a chosen generation, and then it goes on to say that a royal priesthood. What are we? A combination of two ways, royalty and priesthood. So we are not just priests, but we are kings and priests. Royal priesthood. A priest represents um, man before God, goes to God and talks to God, deals with God. That's why the earth will be in trouble without the church. We are a royal, and then that's why you don't, once you're a member of the church, body of Christ, you can go to God by yourself. You don't need another priest to stand, because you are a priest yourself. You are a priest yourself, so you can go there yourself, right? So we are a royal priesthood, and it goes on to say that we are a peculiar people, we're a holy nation. I like that. Remember that holy. We'll come back to that because the Holy Catholic Church. We are a holy nation and his own 
special people. When you read, I think, the King James, he said we are a peculiar people. We are, we are different. So why do they always want us to fit in amongst them? We are different. We are different. So we are a peculiar people. The world cannot understand us. They don't have to, we don't have to make us, make them accept us. We don't have to try and fit in. Bible says, Jesus said, you are in the world, but you are not of the world. Because he said, you are a peculiar people. Say peculiar. peculiar. Say peculiar. peculiar. We are a peculiar people, unique, different. Let's see how the Amplified Bible puts it. We are a peculiar people. Called for to show, says that we uh, the dedicated a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people. We so special to God. He, he bought us. Yeah. He bought us. Hallelujah with His blood. So back to King James, he says that a peculiar people. So we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of Him who who has. Called you out. Did you see that? Yes. Say we are called out. We are called out from where? Darkness. Into where? This marvelous, amazing light. Right. He called us out. Ecclesia, we have been called out. So, first of all, we have been called out of darkness. Satan doesn't have authority over us. Unlike other people. Because we have been called out. We are out. Now, number two, we are not just out of darkness, but we, are, we have been distinguished from the rest of humanity. We are a special race. We are a special group of people. We are a special breed of people. We are a different class of people. Do you know what makes us different? The Christ in you. Now, how different are we? What makes the church different? I want to take my time to talk about this. What makes the church different is not our color, not our socioeconomic background, not our uh, uh, social class, education, or, or, or gender. It has not got to do with anything physical. That is why we are a heterogeneous organization, a heterogeneous, different, different people, different, all kinds of background, yet we are one. It's gloriously heterogeneous, the church. Means that different, different, different people, and yet beautifully one. Different background. It's, it's amazing. We actually represent, reflect what is called the universe. Diversity in unity. Okay. Unity and diversity at the same time. We are diverse, but we are united. So now, what makes us the church? This is very important. Right. This, I just want to throw this in for someone to know this. What makes us the church is God, watch this, God takes himself and takes fallen humanity and mixes, or he mixes himself, M-I-X-E-S, mix. He mixes himself, or the better word is he fuses himself, or another word is he mingles himself with us. So we are not just ordinary. We are God men. Does that make, it, does that make any sense? Yeah. That, that's what the church is. So the church is 
God and man mingle to together to become one organic union. I'll explain what I mean by organic union. Organic in the sense that it's not static. Anything organic has life and the life grows. All right. So by the end of this service, someone else is going to be born again. So he's initial, uh, 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 once a person becomes born again, automatically he's become part of that union, that church. And so it's, 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 it's organic. We share one, one life. We have one shared life, which is the life of God, God himself. So it's not like you are a Christian, you are on your own. You are a Christian, you are on your own. But Christ, Christianity has to do with God himself mingled with humanity to form one body, one entity, one organic body. That's Christianity, or that is the church. So the church is a serious thing. The church is actually, that's why it's called the body of Christ. That's the church. So it's not one person, it's not two people, but God himself mingled himself. God has mingled himself or mixed himself or fused himself into humanity and we have become one unit such that, watch this, this is, the, this, is the, this is the beautiful thing about the church, such that you can't separate God from us, you can't separate us from God. Amen. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 38 says that, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life or angels or principalities or powers or things, verse, verse 39, neither height nor death or any creature, anything created shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. We are, we are united it's just like us. So Ecclesia, we are called out of the rest of humanity to be separated unto him. That's what we are. That's what the church is called out for. Now, the word Ecclesia initially, initially, Ecclesia, initially wasn't um, a religious terminology. In Greek times, it, it was... Yes, a normal political terminology, like the way we have House of Commons, elected representative out of the people, and they sit, they sit, it's a special, they sit, that's, it's called assembly. They come together to make legislations, make decisions, and change stuff, all right? So that, that is called an assembly of a special people. In, the, in, in, in Greek times, that was what the word ecclesia was used for. They are called out of the people, and they are a special assembly who meet with a special function and very, they are very unique. So the church, that is what, word, when the church was formed or when the church was born, that is the word that was used for the church. All right, so we are actually kind of like parliamentarians. In, in Matthew chapter 16, from verse 13 downwards, Jesus asked them, who do men say I am? And then in verse 16, Peter said, you are the son of the living God. You are Christ, the son of the living God. And then in the verse 17, Matthew chapter 16, in the verse 17, Jesus said to Peter, Blessed are you, Simon by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, this to you, but my father who is in the verse 18. Then Jesus begins to say, Watch this. He said, I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, what's that this rock? What you just said. Okay, it's a foundation. Upon this rock, I will build my church. That's the first time Jesus mentioned the word church. I will build my church. Say my church. My church. Who is the builder of the church? Jesus. Okay, we have to establish that. It's very important. Jesus, the church is for Jesus. It doesn't belong to any pastor, and he's the builder of the church. So he said, I will build my church. It is not our plans and our techniques, our musical concerts that build church. 
Praise and worship can't build church. Praise and worship just hosts, invites his presence. And then when he comes, he knows how to get people who are looking for him, who he's already been working on their hearts. You didn't come because I preach well. You came because you're looking for God. He's been working on your heart. God has been working on your heart. This one, I decided, okay, I'm going to go by myself. No, you didn't decide. Something, the Bible said, it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So you can't do it by yourself. You, he must work it in you. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Do you know why? Because you don't have what it takes to be attracted to God. You in yourself cannot, cannot be attracted to God. He said, no one can come to me except it be given to him from above. You can't. So anytime we do anything godly, it's God who initially inspires it. He's the father. Father means that he's the initiator. He starts it. He starts anything. All good and perfect gifts come from above. The father of lights, in whom there's no variableness or shadow of turning. James chapter 1 verse 17. So it's very important. to Jesus said that upon this rock I'll build my church. And then watch this. He, after saying that upon this I'll build my church. In, in, in Matthew chapter 16 verse 17 and 18. He said upon this rock I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And let's go to the verse 8. He said, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not... You see, hell is not a threat to the church. If, as long as we are living based on our purpose. If we live what we are supposed to be doing, and we do what people expect us to do, then gates of hell will prevail against us. But if we live based on what uh, uh, God has called the church to do, and we begin to allow the Holy Ghost to do his work, gates of hell cannot, it doesn't have what it takes. It's above Satan's pay grade to prevail against the church. Not even attack, prevail. Do you know what it means to prevail? Like be able to have successfully stand against or come against. So if, I, if we are pushing the gates, talk about not hell itself, even its gates, the defenses of hell can, cannot be strong enough to hinder us. When we begin to make moves, we are like a bulldozer clearing everything in our path. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. That's why we are better together as a church. He said, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Then he went on to say that, um, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and what, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth is loose. Give us the amplifier. Let's see how I put it on the screen. Uh, amplifier. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Say keys. keys. Plural. Say key, keys. keys. So praise and worship is a key. So you can use praise and worship key. But if you leave other keys, some doors will open. You only open the door that makes praise and worship. All right. All right. All right. Some people are praying. They are using the key of prayer and fasting. But they have left the key of prosperity, which is given on the side. Expecting that prayer, key of prayer and fasting will do everything. Now, so I'll give you the keys, all right? But I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and what, say whatever. whatever. Say whatever. whatever. Whatever you bind, in other words, declared to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth or declare on, uh, on earth must be what is already loosed in heaven. Right. So we, we enforce what heaven is saying. Right. We are heaven's enforcement agents on earth. So wherever you go, where you find sickness, Jesus, that, Jesus said that 
These are the signs that will follow those who believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. Because you, we, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. They, shall, they, shall, they said they shall speak with new tongues. And then they will lay their hands on, if they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. Praise the Lord. We, we carry that. Not, this is not the job of pastor. Can I tell you the true job of a pastor? Can I tell you that? The truth of the, of the pastor is to study to show himself approved unto God. A workman. What's a workman? You have to break the work and teach the work. He says that all those who labor, uh, he said, let the um, uh, first Timothy chapter 5 verse 17, he said, let them be worthy of double honor. All right? Especially. especially. So let the elders who rule well be counted double of worthy. Especially those who labor in the word of doctrine. It's a labor. You have to labor in the word of doctrine. That's what the pastor's. So the pastor's job is not necessarily to be laying hands, casting out devils. That's your job. That's your job. The pastor must show you in the scriptures where he says you can cast out the devil. Then you believe in the scriptures and go and activate it and go and act on it. Wow. Your colleague at work comes to tell you, I, I feel I can't sleep. Anytime I go to it, don't say, oh, I wish my pastor is here. But what are you doing there? <laughs> what are you doing there? That's why God bless you there. Yeah, hold on, let me call my pastor. Pastor, I have a colleague here. He said I can't sleep. A pastor's job is to teach. Read your Bible. It's just to teach, equip, that's the word, equip, equip, equip. Yes, that's one of the, uh, the responsibilities of a pastor. He said, must be apt, able to teach. If you are not able to teach, don't, don't, don't go into ministry. Yes, one of the qualifications of a, of a, of a bishop, First Timothy, yeah, chapter 3, is one of the qualifications of a bishop, that which is a pastor, episcopos, that's the Greek word, episcopos, which is the same as poemen, which is pastor. All right, so uh, you are supposed to be able to teach. Pastors are to teach. Now, in 2 Timothy, is it 2 Timothy? It talks about how yeah, all scripture, yeah, 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it's profitable for, for doctrine. Did you see that? The first thing, for teaching. Doctrine is teaching. The scripture is for teaching. Don't, it's not for someone to put under their pillow. It's for teaching. Okay. So it's profitable for teaching. If it's profitable for what? Um, Re re reproof, profitable for correction, a profitable for instruction. Now, before I go further, in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it talks about how they continued in the apostles' doctrine. Apostles must be teaching some stuff. In the scriptures, in the scriptures, especially particularly the New Testament, we have what we call, um, by uh, theologians call, the didactic sections of the New Testament, and then the narrative sections. For instance, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are called the Gospels and Acts. They are called the Gospels. Wow. If, in effect, when you look at them very carefully, they are just narrating events that have happened already. Okay. So they are, they are historical in their approach. They are narrative. They are narrating. And this one did this. And this one did this. They are telling the story. But right after Acts, we enter into the didactics. They are giving instructions. So a chunk portion of the New Testament is about instructions. What you should do, what you shouldn't do, how you should do, how you should fellowship. It's all about instructions. And so that is what the man of God is supposed to be doing. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it is profitable for, for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. Guess what? Go to the next verse. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Right, so it is necessary, so you'll be equipped. He told Timothy, study. 
to show yourself approved. Now that word steady there means be diligent to show yourself approved. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing. Pastor, your job, your job is rightly divide. That means that you can wrongly divide scriptures. How can you rightly divide scriptures if you are not studying scripture? I said this on TV. Even it is a problem. It's an emergency for a Christian. It, it is a, a problem if a minister of the gospel hasn't read your Bible for a week. Hey. Even for a day, it's no good. But a week, it's an emergency. Because, okay, okay, why, what are you going to teach? Your job is not to, to be laying hands. That's not a fundamental assignment. Our fundamental is, is to teach God's word. That's why we come to church, not for music. To break the scripture so someone is thoroughly equipped. Huh. You go out, you know what, 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 who you are. You know what Christ has made you. You know your place in God's document. Shout yes! Yes! Sit down, pastor, sit down, settle down and read the scriptures. Study to teach the people. Don't waste their head. Don't waste their time. Talk the scriptures. Let, let, after someone giving you a year of his or her, her head, they must, even if they leave your church, they must know they have learned something. Yeah. When Jesus, people were leaving Jesus in John chapter 6, and he asked them, will you also go? They said, where are we going? In John chapter 6, I think verse um, 58 or something. He said, where are we going? You have got the words of eternal. That we didn't say you have got the food for us to eat. You've got the words, the words of eternal. The word you speak to us. The Bible said you could speak and people were wondering, from whence get this man all this wisdom? He read the scriptures in the synagogue and all eyes were on him. Because there's also a difference between going to study theology and being called and having an encounter with God and God showing you things in his word and you teaching his people from, when you do that, you teach his people the word from your inner man. What he's doing is a spirit to spirit. You are feeding their spirits. So the church, Ecclesia, I I knew that definitely I was going to talk about um, the communion of saints. The church, Ecclesia, first of all, so is that I believe in the, the Holy Catholic Church. The church is ecclesia called out people. We are peculiar people. Has that been established? Yes. And then the, the, the next word in that phrase is, I believe, in the holy Catholic church. But before I go to the Catholic church, let me talk about the holy church. Someone say holy. holy. Say holy. holy. Every true member of a church, you know they are, how the Bible describes them? Every true believer to saint. Saint, Hagioi, which comes from the Greek word Hagios, which is holy. So saints are people who are holied. They've been holied or sanctified. I like the way Hebrews puts it. Hebrews says both, Hebrews says, both those who are sanctified. I think Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12, 11 or 12. I like the way he puts it. So both those of us who are sanctified and he who sanctifies are of one. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason it's not a shame to call us brothers. Because we have one essence, one substance. The church is God himself mixing himself. So we are one, one life. We share one life, one substance with Christ. But we are being sanctified. Now it calls us, Bible said, holy church. We are a peculiar people, a holy nation. A holy nation. First Peter chapter 2. So then, why holy? The, the gold standards are so high. So in effect, you can't be called holy according to God's standard because when we look at even the way you look at things, 
Just your thinking, just this morning, even in church when the word of God was going on, certain thoughts that have passed through your mind, and yet we are operating by the highest standard of God. So it's not that those behave better than us. We behave far better, but even the, our better behavior doesn't come anywhere to the standard we are supposed to be at. Does that make sense? So now, the church is holy. Why? So then, it's not you who make the church holy. Your coming into the church doesn't make the church holy. So then what makes the church holy? Because we all understand that the church is not made up of holy people. Oh, sorry, I made a mistake. Is there a holy, someone holy, very holy, through and through? You know, the church is not made up of holy people, right? The church, is, the church is the only organization you have to be a sinner to enjoy, uh, to enter. It's the only organization you have to be a sinner to enter. Your basis of admission is that I was once a sinner. I'm a sinner now, Jesus. I'm a sinner. I need your help, Jesus. Those, Jesus said, those who don't have sin, they don't need me. Yeah. 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 But those who, he said, I came, I came for the people. I came for, when they, they, they went to stone the woman, he said, I didn't come to condemn. The Pharisees would not accept him. Because Jesus said, he who is not sick does not need a physician. But who is sick needs the doctor. So then, he said, I came for those who need me. Those who know their problem is really a problem. The problem of sin. The Pharisees, they think they are, they are all that and a bag of chips. So Jesus put them aside. He said, those who want to receive. Hallelujah. So he came to save sinners. Bible says that um, Christ died for sinners. This is a true and a faithful saying. That Christ died for sinners. Of whom I am chief. <laughs> Paul talking. First Timothy chapter 1. I think verse... Uh, somewhere verse 13 or 14 or 14. So this is a faithful saying. If you say it, you have said the right thing. It's a faithful saying and worthy of all. Everyone must accept this one. That Christ died, came into the world to save who? Sinners. To save who? Yeah. So if you are not a sinner, you can't join the church. He came to save sinners. Not to continue sinning. Right? So he came to save sinners. And Paul said, of whom I am chief. Chief. He said, chief sinner. <laughs> So a church is a very interesting organization. So what makes us holy then? Why do we say that? Why did the early church say the church is holy? They, they said the church is holy because we are a peculiar organization, separated unto God. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 said, For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation. Did you see that? A holy nation and uh, um, God's own special people. King James said, a peculiar people. So we, we are set apart. The new, um, the Amplified Bible says that you are set apart. Something says that you are God's own page, special people that, that, that you may be set for, uh, that you may set for the wonderful deeds of the, to display that. Okay, so we are special people of God. He set us, a dedicated nation. We are dedicated unto God. That was what gives us a qualification that we are holy. But in itself, that's not what makes us holy. It's the Holy Spirit in us or Jesus Christ. What is the church? The church is the body of Christ. So in, a, in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 23, he said, and he gave him to be the head of the body, which is the church. Right? Ephesians 1 23, he gave him, which is the, uh, verse 22, he said, by 22 talks about how, and he put all things on and he gave him to be the head of all things to the church. And then go to verse uh, which is his body. So the church is the body of Christ. All right. So now watch this. Why is the church holy? It's the Christ in the church that makes the church holy. Not the people who join the church. Because if you find a holy church, the warnings that don't join it. Because if you join it, you will spoil it. Because of who you are. All right. So 
The church is holy. Why is the church holy? Because of Christ. Now, as I said earlier, what is the church? The church is God mingling, mixing himself with man to become one entity. How do we define the boundaries of the church? The church you belong does not make you Christian. Now, that leads me to my last point, the Holy Catholic Church. So what is the meaning of the Catholic Church? The Catholic Church is the universal. The, another word for Catholic there is universal church. So when you, when, you, when, you, when you watch the Apostles' Creed or listen to the or read Apostles' Creed in some other um, uh, renditions, they rendered it the Holy Universal Church, yeah. not the Catholic Church. So the Catholic Church is not talking about the Roman Catholic Church, all right? But this is talking about the universal church. To throw a little bit more light on this, when we talk about the universal church, we talk about the universal church, St. Augustine, one of the scholars of the church, early, early church, made a statement. He distinguished between the visible church and an invisible church. And, and in that time, and it created a little bit of controversy or disagreement, but it, there's a level of truth in what he said. Universal church has, is we have the invisible and the visible church, which all made the... What is the visible church? The visible church is what we can all see. So like Sunday morning or church registry, you can tell the members of the church, right? Now we can tell you are in church, so you are a member of the church. Maybe you can even come forward and say, I want to be born again, and I'm born, now I'm born again, and we can tell you are one of us. That's the, uni- the visible church. That's what the visible church is obvious for everyone to see. Maybe even by your actions, it tells us that, you are a member of the church. But the invisible church is the one no one can see. Jesus said, it's not all who say, Lord, Lord. And so then, there is a possibility that in a huge church, in a huge congregation, or a small congregation, or in the body of Christ, there are people who are, re- who are on church registers. They've been registered as church members. They have church certificates and everything, membership certificate and everything. But actually, they are not, they are not members of the true church. Does that, does, that, does that make sense? They are not. So, the Visible church contains the invisible church. What do I mean? As we have gathered here, there is a great likelihood that not everyone is a member of the body of Christ. But the person may be a member of a local church that we can see you because you are here. Are we not here together? Yeah, Yeah, we are all here together. So that's the visible church. But there are some people who are part of the visible church, but they are not part of the invisible church. But if you are in the invisible church, we will still find you in the visible church. Yeah, you can't say I'm a Christian, I can't go to church. You see you in a, in, in a visible church. Does that make sense? Now, what is the church? This is very important. I said the church is God in man. But how do you define the invisible church? It is Christ in you, Christ in me, Christ in him, Christ in her, Christ in them, Christ in us. That is the church. The definition of a church is Christ in you. So if Christ is not in you, you are not, a, it doesn't matter how well you dress doesn't matter how much you believe in the Bible. Mm-hmm. If Christ is not to you, you are not a member of the church. They are, they are, so now, there are other places where people have gathered. People may gather, some people may gather. Initially, when the church started to spread, the early authorities, the authorities of the church were now, let's define, some people said, we have gathered here. Are they a church? What, what constitutes a church? So it became a problem in the early church, uh, not in the early church, in the, in the, in the medieval periods. It became a problem because they have to define if these people said they've gathered here, they're having church. Are they really having church? And so some denominations, listen to this, you have, you'll be interested in this. In certain denominations, the fact that you've gathered, you are praying, you are clapping, they don't classify you as a church. In certain de- denominations, they classify a church as a place where um, 
the bishop is. So if a bishop is not there, it's not a church in certain denominations in times of old. Some still hold to that. In certain denominations, there must be an ordained priest. If there's no ordained priest, there is not a church. But in, in truth to the, being true to the scriptures, where Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. If he's there, the church is there. Do you, do you understand that? So the church has, watch this, the church is, the visible church has to do with the meeting place, a meeting place of Christians, believers, calling on the name of Jesus who is in their midst. That's the visible, visible church. The invisible church is, is personal in your heart. If you are really born again, it's, it's, all, it's always important to know that the church is where we have gathered in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. All right. So I've underscored, I've explained what the church is, I've explained why the church is holy, and I've explained what, I've explained what it means by the church is Catholic. So he says that I believe, and watch this, I believe in the universal, the holy universal church. So the church is in London, the church, part of the church is in America, part of the church is, because we are one, it's the holy, it's a universal church. Bible says in the, the book of, let's look at my scripture now, let's, one scripture, then I close on that. <laughs> so First Corinthians chapter 12 from, uh, and verse, from verse 12 to f- um, 14. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 14. Bible says, talks about in First Peter chapter 3 verse 15, I suppose. It talks about be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you of the hope that it is in you. First Peter chapter 3 verse uh, 15, I, I suppose so. Yeah. It said, always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. You must be able to tell them something sensible. Tell people something sensible. What does the first Corinthians chapter 12? Verse 12, okay, we, got, we have to look at it. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Now, he's using, he's using the human body, okay, to reflect the body of Christ. So human body, you can know that we have a lot of body parts, different, different parts. So many parts, eyes, skin, ear, hair, legs, toes, nails. We have so many parts, body parts, all right. So it says that, but all these parts belong to one body. Even so, so it said, so, uh, so also is Christ. Go to the next verse, verse 13. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. I can't wait to get to the next, the next teaching, the communion of saints. Baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, that's racial boundaries that don't matter here, all right? Uh, whether, whether slave or free, social boundaries. So there's no social class in church. There's no racial class in church. We are all one. However, uh, all, uh, and have all been made to drink into the spirit. As soon as you are born again, the Holy Spirit puts you in the body of Christ. We are all baptized by one spirit. Into, into one body, to so all of us, whether you are in China, whether you are in America, whether you are in Asia, whether you are in Brazil, whether you are in Russia, whether you are in the United Kingdom, we are all one body. Amen. Someone shout hallelujah. hallelujah. That is called the mystical body, and I'll even explain it better next, next week. In conclusion, what I've been trying to establish is that I believe, you must believe that there are Christians all over the world. You may not know them, but they are still there. And guess what? We are all one. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to 
amen at caris.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.